Welcome to Off the Court, presented by Point Guard U. Today we are joined by Syracuse basketball legend, uh, former professional basketball player, NBA D-League overseas, uh, CEO and founder of ED23 Hoops and the ED23 uh, Foundation, uh, Eric Devendorf. Eric, super pumped to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Oh, I appreciate you having me, Reed. It's a pleasure. Yeah, man. We were, uh, obviously, we're lucky to have you on today. We we're lucky enough to have you at our camp in Syracuse, New York this past summer, um, which is, I mean, that's your turf. That's where you're the legend. It was awesome seeing, you know, the kids look up to you. I mean, a lot of the parents looking up to you. Um, and it, it was just cool seeing you in your element with your kid. I can tell you do that a lot, um, you know, and you have your own program. Can you kind of speak to what you're doing with uh, ED23 Hoops? Yeah, so I mean, it, it all started uh, probably back in 2019. Um, you know, prior to that, I was on coaching uh, the coaching staff at Syracuse for two years, um, and then after that, I went back home to Detroit at, uh, with Detroit Mercy for a year, being the special assistant to the head coach there. Um, great experience there. After that, I came back here to Syracuse, and uh, you know, decided to you know just do my own thing. So it just started um, kind of organically, just working out kids uh, individually, small groups. Uh, and then I figured, hey, let's, you know, let's put an LLC together and, and, and make a business of it and start to run camps and clinics. Uh, you know, like you said, Syracuse uh, is so supportive. And, um, you know, when I'm putting stuff out there, they get behind it 100 percent, whether it's basketball or, or stuff in the community. So, um, yeah, it just kind of started uh, slow. And then I started getting a lot of people interested in, in working out. And um, that's kind of how it evolved to, you know, bigger groups and in, in, in camps and um, you know, here we are four years later uh, or four or five years later. And, you know, we're doing the same thing, running big camps, clinics. And um, and also we have, uh, you know, eight, nine uh, girls and boys teams that that we run um, in the spring coming up. So uh, it, it's been fun learning, um, you know, kind of just how to navigate, um, you know, being a business owner. And, and, and you know, like we said before, um, we talk working with different people and, and um, you know, having different egos involved. It's it's a challenge, but um, at the end of the day, the vision is to help people out and help these kids and, um, you know, provide opportunities, uh, provide resources, and then, um, you know, help inspire and motivate these kids to, to do more with themselves. So um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, again, it's a challenge, um, but I think that it, it's worth it, you know, because um, at the end of the day, we're helping a lot of people and, um, you know, they're able to go ahead and, and, and do a lot of these things that we're doing and go do it by themselves or, or team up with other people and, and do the same thing. So um, it, it's been fun. That's awesome. And you know, you said inspire kids. And honestly, I think one of the greatest parts about from my point of view as a camp director, having you at camp, not only incredible talent, great person, awesome with the kids, but you know, you were inspiring to the kids, your ability to talk um, to kids and connect with them and relate to them. You know, you, I can tell you do it a lot, um, you know, and, but it's not, it's not, corny or cheesy it's it's you know legit and um you know I, one of the things that stuck out to me when we when you were talking to the kids at camp was your three e's speech would you mind kind of sharing that with our audience who wasn't there for that to kind of um know what's up with the three e's yeah i, I mean i say it with every group uh you know the three e's energy effort enthusiasm those are the three things that you can control wherever you go whether it's in sports and school um you know business whatever it may be you know, bringing great, great effort, you know, in whatever you do, uh, you know, having great energy when you enter the gym or enter the room and then just being enthused about, 
you know, having the opportunity to get better each and every day. Uh, those are those are three things that we can control. Uh, you know, we can't control if, you know, in basketball, if we miss a shot or uh, we make a turnover, or we make a bad play, that, that stuff is going to happen. You know, but when you miss a shot or you make a turnover, are you going to give that effort to go run back and, and get back on defense? You know, are you going to, um, you know, be on the bench and be enthused when you're not in the game and, and, and clapping and cheering up for, for your teammates? You know, when you, are, when you haven't been playing or been practicing good, where is your energy level at? You know what I mean? Because you could be the guy that sucks life out of other teammates if, uh, if you bring bad energy in the room. So uh, I, I try to preach that to every single group I talk to, you know, control those three E's. Um, and then we'll take care of the other stuff and, and you'll get better at the skill stuff and, and learning the game. But you have to have those three E's. Those are the controllables that um, you can have in everyday life. And, and I think if the kids, um, you know, start to realize that, because again, like it, the age group varies to, you know, who we deal with. So the younger kids, you know, they might not understand right away, but it, it's all about planting that seed, right? And you know, they might hear it again down the road and they're like, hey, coach, he said that to me before. It's like, I, I guess it's starting to make a little sense. And then for the older kids, you know, we're, we're just hoping to, um, you know, if their mindset's a little bit different, to change that mindset to where, um, you know, they could implement those threes in, in, in their daily life and their daily routine. And uh, I, I guarantee if you do it, um, you're not only going to better yourself, but you're going to better uh, the people around you and you're going to start bringing people that are on the same level into your life, um, you know, that want to help you out and, and be better as well. So those threes are important, man. It's, I mean, it's something that I try to implement in my daily life. I know we all get um, overwhelmed and distracted sometimes with, with everything going on, but um, I think it's a good reminder uh, for people to go back to that and um, know that when things start to get out of control, go back to those three things that you know you control, um, you know, in your everyday life. I love that. It's great advice. And, you know, and while we're on the topic of advice, there was something that when we were talking at camp, you mentioned, you know, and let me put this in context. We have a lot of kids listening all across the country, uh, you know, elementary, middle school, high school, I think more so high school and some parents. Um, and we have some kids, you know, across our 10, nine camps that are getting recruited currently. Um, and, you know, that's a tough thing to navigate. And I remember when we were talking, uh, you know, you're a, a Bay City, Michigan kid. Um, there was an event that happened for you during your recruitment process. Um, and it was, I believe, the Michigan State-Syracuse game. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you want to walk us through kind of what that looked like as uh, someone who's getting recruited? And, and, and what about that uh, game played a role in your decision making? Yeah, well, now obviously recruiting is it's it's a whole different story now with uh, you know mm -hmm. social media playing a big part in it, um, and you know the coaches reaching out that way. We, I mean, we didn't have that back when uh, when I was getting recruited. It was it was a landline. You know, they were they were calling the house phone. I mean, I didn't even have a cell phone, so it wasn't any texting or anything like that. Um, so it it was uh, a big difference from from uh, you know today and back then. But um, yeah, as far as um, my recruitment went. Uh, I was highly recruited uh, coming out of high school at McDonald's All-American. So I had, um, I guess, my choice of school wherever I wanted to go to. Early on, 10th grade, I committed to Michigan State. Um, you know, back then it was just, it was either Michigan or Michigan State. You know, if you're one of the top guys coming out of Michigan, that's, you know, that's where you usually went, you know what I mean? And um, so I committed at, at an early age, 10th grade, like I said, and uh, it just so happened 2003, uh, I went to a game at the Breslin Center. It was Michigan State, and they happened to be playing Syracuse. You know, 2003 national championship year. 
uh, Mellow, GMAC, Hack, uh, you know, Josh Pace, Billy Elin, all those guys. And, um, I, you know, being from Michigan, we didn't see Syracuse playing. You know, we didn't we didn't get those games in, uh, in the Midwest. So that was my first time um, being introduced to them and their style of play and, and, and seeing how Coach Behan coached. Uh, it, it was me. It, it was that was the type of um, player I was, you know, a guy who um, really thrived in, in, you know, fast pace, getting up and down, playing in transition and, and having the freedom to really play through your mistakes. And that's that's what type of coach uh, Coach Beheim was and, and is, you know, he's he's a guy that really lets you play through mistakes. And, uh, you know, I talk about it with a lot of guys and, and John Wallace is a guy who who says it all the time. You know, Coach Beheim, he, he puts that battery in your back. You know, he, he gives you that confidence to go out there. And even when you are, you know, playing and having some mistakes and, and not playing so well, he continues to give you confidence and, and continues to, um, you know, let you go out there and, and play your game. So um, yeah, for me, after watching them play, you know, I, I remember looking to my coach, my AAU coach at the game and just telling him, hey, uh, you know, I want to see what's going on with these guys, you know, just the style of play and how they get up and down. I, you know, I loved it. So, he, you know, we ended up uh, making a call to to the Syracuse basketball office a few days later. Um, and, and that next week they came down. Uh, it was Coach Beheim, And at the time, the assistant was Troy Weaver, who's now the um, general manager at Detroit Pistons. They came down, watched me practice uh, at Detroit Denby, which was our practice gym for our AAU team. And after that, they offered me a scholarship after, right after practice. And, you know, I remember Coach Bam, Coach Weaver coming up to me with, um, you know, my assistant, or excuse me, my AAU coach um, standing by me. And, and he just asked me, do you, hey, if you want to come, the scholarship is there. And, and um, you know, the rest is history, you know. So I had to make that uh, that hard phone call to, to Coach Izzo and telling him that, you know, I was, I was decommitting and changing my mind, which was which was tough. I was 16 years old, you know, and um, – you know, I, I haven't had a lot of, I guess, big time decisions to make. And, and at that point in my life, it was it was one of the bigger ones, you know, decommitting. And then from then I, I, I transferred out of Bay City and went to Oak Hill. Um, so it was just a lot of uh, a cri criticism, you know, when that happened. But um, you know what? Everything happens for a reason. And I, I, I'm so happy that I picked Syracuse, you know, uh, you know, anyone who is a part of the community knows how passionate they are about, you know, their sports and um, their Syracuse basketball. So, I mean, the choice was uh, the correct one, you know, and, and I'm glad I made it. And uh, like I said, the rest is history and, and I'm still here at Syracuse, you know, doing my thing. That's awesome. And, you know, your relationship, I think one thing you mentioned when we were at camp and I, I mean, it's visible from the outside growing up in upstate New York as a Syracuse fan. I see it. Um, but hearing it from you really solidified it. The family that Bayheim creates long after the years of college. Right. And then even seeing that spill over into like TBT, um, you know, yeah. Bayheim's army. Right. Um, which you won in 2021, um, big check, which is awesome. Um, yeah. you know, <laughs> how cool was that getting to get put back on the Jersey represent? Man, honestly, Reed, that those I think I played seven years, um, and it was funny because I was actually retired from you know pro basketball. I think 2016 was my last season, maybe maybe a little bit earlier. Um, but then you know Kevin Belby reached out to me and asked me to play, and that was like a whole uh, a whole new thing for me. It was like I, I was playing professional again. You know what I mean? And and it was funny because all these guys during the year playing it were really playing overseas, playing pro, and I was. I was here doing workouts and stuff, but then, and then when it time to, 
when it came time to get ready for that, um, you know, it, it was just like, um, you know, I never stopped playing, you know, to be a part of that for seven years and then be able to win one. Um, if, if, you know, you were at any of those games, um, you know, at the TBT, you could just tell, uh, you know, how Syracuse fans are and what the fan base and, and how passionate they are. Uh, I mean, they're packing the gym for guys that haven't played uh, at Syracuse in, you know, 10 years. And it just feels like, you know, you're still a part of that Syracuse team. You're, 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 you're obviously not in the dome, but, you know, the atmosphere is that they create is, is the same type of feel. So, I, you know, I, I say it to everyone, man, I haven't been around a, a, a fan base uh, and maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I, honestly, I haven't been around a fan base that is that passionate and, you know, even when guys are, you know, not playing 15 years later, you know, they still treat you like you're, you're on the team. So um, it's just incredible, man. It, it was incredible to be a part of that. TBT did a great job. Um, then obviously 2021, uh, we, we put together an unbelievable team, uh, you know, with guys from Cuse and, and, and outside of Cuse as well. But uh, when the money's on the line, man, you, you got to figure it out and, and, and try to put the, try to put the pieces together. So uh, that year it worked out and, and, and that two weeks was like felt like two months or like three months seriously man because we you know when it when you're playing for the money it you know guys are super passionate about it and, and again you're gonna bump heads um you know with your some of your teammates and that you know it, it happened but you know we had the 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 guys and the personalities to when we did bump heads uh nothing was personal you know we shook it off and then you know we went back on the court and, and took care of business so uh, it, it was special to be a part of those seven years. And then, like I said, being able to win it um, the last year that I played just kind of tops it off. It was icing on the cake. That's awesome. Now, obviously, you mentioned like a lot of these guys like haven't been playing for a while. Maybe some of them were playing overseas. Um, you know, what does that skill level look like? What's your best comparison to it? Obviously, you played in pro, played college. Um, step back on that court. What level of play did that feel like to you? Oh man, those guys are high. I mean, those guys are playing high level Euro League overseas or Euro Cup, whatever it is. You know, guys that are just on the on the fringe of making a roster in the NBA. So it's, I mean, it, you could compete with any high level league. You know, from D League to to overseas. Obviously, the NBA is um, you know on its own level, but uh, all these guys are professionals. You know, all these guys are going out there competing at a high high level, and then. You know, when you put the incentive with, you know, with one million out there, it's it's going to be a whole nother level that guys take it to. So, uh, I mean, the competition is 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 like none other. And, and I think that's what really made it so fun um, because guys were really going out there, going hard. It wasn't just something where, um, you know, you're putting a group of guys out of shape and, and just going out there and playing pickup. No, these guys, um, you know, were locked in for two months before playing, having training camp. Um, you know, practices going over plays and scouting reports. It was, it was, it was a real deal. You know, it was like a, um, a real season that we were having. So um, yeah, TBT, again, they, they did a great job of just, you know, putting it together. And then, um, you know, the teams that were a part of it, you know, all those guys were high level players. That's awesome. So how we end these podcasts is we do what's called full court press, which is some just quick hitter questions um, okay. and just whatever comes to mine first you just rattle off sound good yeah all right here we go best trash talker you've ever played with or against johnny flynn <laughs> johnny flynn unbelievable Legend. unbelievable he, it, it was me and him in practice da damn near fighting oh man <laughs> at least three times a month like just just that's how hard guys were competing going at it yeah johnny flynn i love it sure. i love it 
One rule you wish you could change in the game of basketball. One rule? Man, I'm an old school guy. I just like how it is right now, just to be honest. I, you know what? I guess with the TBT, they had a good thing with the Elam ending. I, You know, I kind of, at first, I was like, kind of like, ah, I don't know. How, like, But then, you know, it grew on me. It, you know, it took me back to like, you know, first to 11 or, or things like that. So I think, um, you know, possibly down the line if they implement that that Elon Mendy, I don't think they will, but I think it'd be cool to see. Mm-hmm. Best player you've ever played against? Man, uh, best player I ever played against. It was a lot of them, man. Um, I mean, I got to put Johnny Flynn up there. You know, he, he was just... I mean, I don't know if people really understand. It doesn't matter. He, he was, should have been in the league still to this day. You know, he'd have been a guy that's been in the league, you know, 13, 14 years. He was that good. I mean, I tell people all the time. Uh, and people who were there, they they understand and they saw it. But um, he was unbelievable, man. 5'10", pass, shoot. He had the flair. He had the charisma. You know, he could defend the intensity, the passion. I mean, it, it was all there. I, I played against multiple NBA guys, um, you know, in the summer pickup. You go back to like Sharif Abdul-Rahim and those guys, um, Joe Johnson. Um, I'm probably forgetting some guys, but, you know, it, it, Johnny Flynn, he's he's one of those guys that just stands out to me. Um, mm-hmm. Just not only, you know, on the court, but, you know, how he carried himself off the court. He, it was just like he was a superstar, you know what I mean? He knew how to talk to the media. He knew how to um, carry himself around people. He, he was uh, He was like none other. That's awesome. And Johnny's a man. Yeah, he um, is. Absolutely. So this next question I'm going to put an asterisk next to because it's loudest crowd you ever played in front of, which, I mean, the dome gets rocking. Like, yeah. So I'm going to add an asterisk with this being, if the dome, what game? Uh, so my uh, sophomore year, it was uh, we were playing Georgetown. And they were, I think they were, they had Hibbert, Jeff Green, Shanti Cook, they had Jonathan Wallace, all these guys that were ranked you know, top 10 in the country. They were, came in on like a 10 game winning streak um, to the dome and we ended up beating them. Uh, and, and it was, you know, 30, yeah, it had to be 33,000. But, you know, after the game, everybody rushed the floor. 30, I mean, you can imagine, you know, 30,000 people rushing the floor. And I, I just remember feeling like I was in an oven because <laughs> it was like, boom. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Right on top of us. And then, you know, a couple of us got up on the scorer's table to try to, you know, get out of the crowd. But uh, that's one that really sticks out, man. And it, it was uh, – we had a lot of packed ones. You know, my freshman year, GMAC had like 34,000 for his last game. Um, but that Georgetown game probably stands out just because, uh, you know, we got the crowd crowd to rush the floor. And uh, it was exciting, man. It was, it was something that uh, you won't forget. That's awesome. And I can think of another pretty notable game where you got up on a table too, right? Something about the Madison Square Garden, one of the greatest yeah. games ever played, if not the greatest game. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, yes, yeah, me, it's the, the greatest game, you know, and uh, I am biased, but I, I think I'm correct as well when I when I state that. So, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, any game in Madison Square Garden, you, you didn't have to get pumped up for it. it. was It's Madison Square Garden. So, and then Obviously, to play against UConn and your rival, you have all the matchups, Bayheim, Calhoun, and, you know, all the individual players um, on that stage. Uh, you know, it was just, you know, I turned and saw the table. You had to make it happen at, on that stage in the Big East. It was uh, it, it was one that we will never forget for sure. 
Yeah, man, you're making me miss those Big East days, dude. Yeah, those, yeah, I me mean, too, kids don't even know anymore, man. Those days were wild. It was, it was, it's a whole different landscape now. But it, back then, it was like it was gritty, man. Guys were really getting after it. Yeah. So this one might might take a little thought. Um, maybe it won't. Who's in your dream starting lineup, assuming you're a starting guard? So four other guys. Anybody? Anybody, anybody. Dead or alive. Yep, anybody. So I'd have uh, I'd have LeBron at the one. I'd have uh, Mike at the two. Well, I'd have to have myself at the two, right? I'd have mm -hmm. myself at the two. Mm -hmm. I'd have I've had Mike. Me and Mike would be, you know, two and three. We, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, four man, I'd have KG, and then my five man, I'd have Shaq. That's a that's a yeah, serious that's a serious I, five right there. I wouldn't have to do much, man. I just have to sit out and space the floor, and then it, yeah, you got to shoot that thing, dude. Exactly. That's it. That everybody <laughs> else gonna take care of business. I, they're gonna be focused on them. I could just I might have twenty just standing there. And you know what, dude? I that would be a wild team, but I mean, honestly, I think you fit yourself perfectly in that. Uh, I mean, I love your shot. The way once you get shooting, I mean, seeing it at camp, even just once your legs get into it too. I yeah. mean, it's it's the same thing every single time. It'd be, that would be a, a beautiful team to watch right there. That'd be I, I would have loved to be a part of that. I'd, I'd have a lot of uh, a lot of rings on my fingers. I'll tell you that for sure, for sure. <laughs> well, Eric, hey, appreciate you coming on, um, guys. Be sure to check out what Eric, Eric's doing with ED Twenty Three Hoops and his foundation. He's doing great stuff. Uh, Eric, thanks for coming on. Hope to see you maybe next year at camp, um, and wish you all the best, man. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on, Reed. I'll talk to you guys soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Eric.